a search party of constables was already out. A sighting of the escaped prisoner heading towards Leith, where departing ships were being alerted, while other police forces up and down the country were telegraphed to be vigilant. There had already been incidents, an assault, and an attempted burglary in the new town, the victim giving a description of the man he had wrestled with. It fitted McClaw. The general conclusion was that he would be heading north and west to his homeland in the wilds of Argyle, among familiar hills that once covered in an early snowfall would be impossible for searchers, and provide a natural sanctuary with the glens closed until the spring thaw. Skimming the details of McClaw's trial, as Goss ranted on about his spectacular escape, Pharaoh handed him back the papers. I'm surprised at the verdict. He shook his head. There are too many loose ends in this case. Goss seemed surprised at this observation. Indeed. Pretty obvious to me, as well as most intelligent folk, he shrugged. Just one of our usual sordid domestics. He paused and added sarcastically, And what makes the clever sergeant think he knows more than the judge and jury? Right at the beginning, I would have liked to interview the victim, get a few explanations from him. I gather he was appealed to, to come forward. Pity he didn't do so. What do you mean, pity he didn't come forward? Might have helped McClaw, even if he was guilty, Pharaoh said weakly. No, no, Goss stared at him in astonishment. Come on, Pharaoh, you're hopeless. For God's sake, use whatever wits you have about it. No wonder he wanted his identity concealed. Discretion, Pharaoh, that's why. Can't you see it at all? It's all there in front of you. A jealous husband and a cheating wife. Happens all the time. I will give it to McClaw. He made a good try. But imagine expecting anyone in their right mind swallowing that yarn. An unseen lover, who instead of scarpering, knocked him out. And when he came to, there was his wife lying beside him with a knife stuck in her chest. He just invented the whole situation. As for the other man who preferred to remain anonymous, pausing, he grinned, if it was true, then I should think he had some very good reasons for remaining silent. Come on, Pharaoh, you're a married man yourself. Surely you understand this sort of thing? Pharaoh shuddered, hoping he would never have that particular crisis to cope with, glad that it was very unlikely with his dear devoted Lizzie, whose whole world went round and stopped with him. He sighed thankfully. The most unlikely woman in the world to deceive him, or ever be unfaithful. Anyway, too late for that now, and McClaw was just a bloody savage. John McClaw. We had to call him that, with a first name nobody could pronounce, growled Goss, raising his head from the latest report. We Lowlanders aren't like that. Not like those damn Highlanders, thank God. We know our place. Pharaoh's eyebrows raised at that somewhat sweeping statement, typical of the man, as he continued. Can't trust them. Damn villains, the lot of them. Not all of them. My wife is from the Highlands, Pharaoh said quietly. Goss ignored that. 
A sleek at lot. Wait till you've had as many dealings as I've had with them. He paused to shudder expressively. Aye, you never knew what was going on in their heads, what they were thinking when you walked into a public house, like as not weighing up the possibilities of sticking a knife in your back. Aye, sleek it, that's what. Man, they don't even speak the same language. Foreigners, the lot of them. And that included Lizzie. This was true since their first meeting here in Edinburgh five years ago. He had never heard her speak Gaelic. As is often the way with those who become dear to us, he thought later, it was as if she had come into his life complete and ready-made, waiting for him, and with that her world before they met had ceased to exist. Yet he could not pretend that Lizzie was the love of his life.